This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. It's all songs considered from NPR Music. I'm Robin Hilton. As we enter the holiday season, I'm guessing there's a good chance that music will be a big part of whatever you have planned with your family and friends, dinners, parties, quiet get-togethers, whatever it may be. And for a lot of you, that means digging out music that's been played in the family for years. Maybe it's something that you discovered from your parents' record collection, uh, maybe when you were a kid. So on this episode of All Songs Considered, Bob Boylan and I share stories from listeners along with our own memories of the music handed down from parents. Hey. Come over here, to the right-hand speaker. That's right. Close. Come on, closer. Can you hear me if I whisper in your ear? They're going to play that tune again over there. Still, you shouldn't hear much of it over here. That's what we mean by separation. I'm NPR Music. You're connected to All Songs Considered. Good morning, Mr. Hilton. Good morning, Bob. How you doing? I'm doing well. So today's show uh, is going to be about your parents' record collection. And that little oblique cut will become a little clearer later on as we progress through our uh, our little show today. And what we've done is we've asked people... Yeah, we uh, put a call out. This is part of a feature on All Things Considered. Uh, asking people to share their memories of their parents' record collection. Was there a song or a record or an artist you discovered that shaped your taste in music one way or the other, for better or worse, or maybe a song <laughs> yeah. that you carry around with you? There were some of those. Right back. Yeah, we, we've learned so far in some of the early... Um, replies that we've gotten that people didn't, of a certain age anyway, didn't really discover a lot of great music in their parents' record collection. I think a lot of people instinctively rebel against their parents' record collection. That said, we have a hundred stories of which there are a large chunk of them that that actually carried with them something from their parents' record collection that, that means something today. Or maybe it was something in their parents' record collection that gave them insight to who the heck their parents were because they may have uh, been a very straight-laced person, but mm-hmm. then danced crazily to some music buried deep in that collection and right. have a memory of that. So that's the stories we're asking you to tell us on the All Songs Considered blog. Uh, but we all have them, right? You've got one. Yeah, I, I actually discovered a ton of music from my parents' record collection that they were playing all the time in the house and in the car. That uh, Some of it was pretty uh, corny, I think, you know. Or some people would call it corny. I made a note on the blog that I listened to a lot of John Denver growing up, which I love, but uh, I know. And there's an awesome <laughs> picture of Robin and his family uh, in uh, in blue denim, except your dad's the rebel, in blue denim, uh, and then uh, your love for John Denver, who is also in love with uh, blue denim. It was, it, was it denim? It was that? actually probably a poly, poly, poly? blend, oh, polyester. Uh, I think my mother got a, a good deal on a bolt of material <laughs> and made everybody matching blue polyester jumpsuits. But uh, lots of singer-songwriters. Writers, lots of folk singers, lots of classical music, uh, lots of musicals. That's what I heard growing up. And certainly the standout in the bunch would would be Simon and Garfunkel. Aww. They were huge fans of Simon and Garfunkel. And I even have a memory of in college being home and playing it on the stereo 
and overhearing my dad in the kitchen saying to my mom, can you believe kids are still listening to this? Oh. That people are still discovering it. And, um, and now 700 years later, yeah, here we exactly. are. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that was in the 80s, right? Uh, which now doesn't seem like it had been that long. Right. But, and that music was made 20 years previous. Yeah, so. I guess so, yeah. yeah. Well, they were also huge fans of the, the movie The Graduate. I think they both thought it was one of the funniest movies uh, of all time. And a lot of Simon and Garfunkel music uh, showed up in that film, including some cuts from their record Sounds of Silence. I want to play uh, April Come She Will. Oh, good one. Strings are ripe and swelled with rain. May she will stay resting in my arms again. Christmas walk, she'll prowl the night. July, she will fly and give no warning to her flight. August, die she must. The autumn. Chilean cold September I'll remember A love once new has now grown old That is just such a, a clever, smart, beautiful song to so perfectly ties the natural arc of, of young love through the seasons from spring to fall, the birth of the relationship to the end of the relationship in the fall. And when I when I was a, a young kid and dating, I, this song really resonated with me, and it's it's one I sing to my own kid now. Oh, man, yeah. make us cry. And, you know, and I was thinking as I was listening to this, uh, I thought, how is, how is my kid going to discover my record collection when it's all on a hard drive? Hmm. Gonna have to think about this. Yeah, this is an issue. Because I don't, you know, you want it out there so he, you know, he finds it and sort of comes to it on his own. You don't want to. Yeah. I mean, I have both going on in my household where, where uh, I've got the digital collection, which my son has all of. So he's got all, you know, 25, 30,000 songs, right? But then there are, you know, there's records in my closet, a thousand of those. There's, you know, a couple thousand CDs around the house. So I think. Uh, I think he's going to find great stuff. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. No but way. I had to, I have to say that I'm really envious because your family had taste in music that you could carry, carry at least, you know, some good taste in music <laughs> that you can carry with you. The music in my household was uh, show tunes, which I can't stand st- to this day. And See, it, I like show tunes, uh, and, I, and I heard a lot make, of that, makes too. Makes me nuts. <laughs> and then, the, and then the, the house was filled with, uh, you know, Barbara Streisand, cannot deal with. Uh, and lots of music from that era. I mean, even Sinatra, I, who I appreciate, I heard so much of. 
I can't listen to. So when I think of my parents' record collection, uh, this is probably the best I could do. And now I'm on the right with a metronome <laughs> and a very pretty girl. So, as she winds the metronome and walks to the other side, I'm going to tell you this story. My, in about 1965 or so, 1966, my father went out and bought a stereo. I mean, a really and great, I mean, to say it's a two-bamp, everything was two-bamp, so it's not that exotic, but it was a really amazing stereo. And, uh, and so one of the things he had in his collection was this record, which was a stereo checkout record it made, you balanced your speakers you made sure the bass was right i loved this stuff this was like <laughs> the first time i found my and the metronome are on the left but my inner geek was discovered in my parents record collection when my dad got this stereo first of all to hear the full fidelity of music up until that moment that my dad got this amazing stereo which incidentally i looked up and it cost about 350 dollars back then it's an hh H. scott amplifier which I did a conversion in money, was about $2,500, right? So he buys this $2,500, what we think of, stereo, and I listen to my music on it. And up until that, this, I'm holding in my hand, this is how I listen to all of my music. Well, it's a little Westinghouse uh, transistor radio. It's about the size of a pack of cigarettes, and it's definitely mono with one little speaker. And, and I, I live with that under my was pillow. Was AM only? I carried it around and kept held it up to my ear when we, when I walked around. You know, people think of holding your handheld devices. That's what people did. They held it up to their ear when they walked down. Well, people. That's what I did <laughs> and friends did uh, when we walked down the street to hear music all the time. What's one great song you heard coming out of this? Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, I can remember, like, I Want to Hold Your Hand. Yeah, right? that's that, awesome. That would have totally Yeah, been. that's cool. So from the transistor radio from this little Westinghouse that I dearly, dearly love, which I got, by the way, from a coupon from a bottle of Listerine and plus $5. <laughs> uh, uh, from that, I went to hearing this amazing music on a real stereo, and I think it, my, that in my parents' record collection, that record, that stereo checkout record, gave me a bit of my sense of humor and also gave me uh, an appreciation for sound, which I completely carry to this day. So yeah. mom and dad, although my dad had a great love for Benny Goodman and Glenn Miller, wasn't much of that in the collection, but thank you so much for, for giving me uh, the life I have and the appreciation I have. Uh. Terrible, isn't it? <laughs> well, there's only one thing you can do with a piano like that. Shove it out the window. Hello. By Jove, they're doing it. <laughs> Look out. I would have totally listened to this. <laughs> awesome, right? You must have just thought, Wow. Oh, my gosh. And then, of course, back then there were the train records and all those sorts of things for mm -hmm. the hi-fi nuts. Anyway, I loved all that stuff. <laughs> uh, so this series is about the records uh, that in your parents' record collection that gave you insight uh, to your parents or gave you uh, your own identity or you, something you carry along with us. And, and Alison McAdam is the uh, sort of the creator of this series, the one who's came up with the idea. She came to us with this idea. And so we're tossing it out to you as listeners to write stories on our blog. And Alison McAdam is with us now from All Things Considered. Hi. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you've been gathering stories uh, from some well-known people and as, and as well uh, from all sorts of people getting stories. And since we haven't played much music, why don't you get us right to a piece of music and we'll 
expand on this idea. Okay, so I'll start with a story that we've recorded. It hasn't aired yet uh, on All Things Considered. We decided it would be fun to talk with Colin Malloy from The Decembrists and his sister, Miley Malloy, who's a fiction writer, she's a great writer, together. And they came to us with a fabulous story. Uh, it's a story that takes place in the summer of 1981. Their parents have just gotten divorced. They're just little Oof. kids. I think partly in an effort to deal with this disruption in their, in their lives. Their mom takes them on a road trip in a VW Rabbit from Montana to Martha's Vineyard. And they only have four tapes in the car. <laughs> Cassettes, of course. Yes. So they got really, really used to this very small amount of music. And uh, they each brought one song that they remembered from this trip. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know how you feel about this song. Uh, yeah, I can't stand uh, the, the Eagles for this song. Sorry, Colin. But you know what? Right now, this sounds pretty good. I, I actually I think without the baggage it, but... of the time. But I should also stress to you, Colin didn't pick this. Okay. I... Oh, you're going to tell us more then. Well, I'll... T- I'll t- just to say, Colin didn't pick this song because he loves it. That's part I see. Ah, oh. and that's true. Uh, uh, you know, you make connections to music that you might otherwise not love, but you find it at the right time in your life, especially when you're a kid from your parents. It can make all the difference. Mm-hmm. When I was when I was a, a kid in high school, we and we went, had high school dances. We prayed they'd play one of two songs, either this one or Stairway to Heaven. All right. Well, let's listen to Hotel California, and we'll come back and hear the story. such a great line some dance to remember some dance to forget okay i'm getting to like this song this is huge for me you have no idea allison so i'm, I'm glad you're playing this but at the time tell us you said that colin didn't necessarily play this colin malloy didn't necessarily play this song for us pick this song because of his love for the song yeah let's remember these were like pretty sad kids who'd just gone through a really tough time this was they were kind of captive in this car with this music and so what he i'll play a little of the tape that he uh 
a little of the story that he told us about, uh, you know, being, he's like five or six, mm -hmm. uh, and his understanding of those lyrics. Um, so, yeah, if you just want to hit that. I think anybody of my age, you know, in their 30s who grew up in the 70s and who had parents who liked the Eagles, I think <laughs> has a kind of a relationship with that song because it's this kind of weird, you know, kind of long, mysterious, minor key odyssey about Don Henley, you know, driving through the desert and discovering this mysterious uh, hotel and staying there and getting, I assumed, stuck there for forever. Yeah, I took it very literally. So, you know, it was just him driving along and finding this hotel. He called for wine, but they couldn't bring him wine, but they did have pink champagne for some reason. <laughs> and imagining pretty boys, you know, dancing in a courtyard and, and all these things. And, and particularly the, this, the line about, um, you know, they gather for the feast and they stab it with their steely knives, but they can't kill the beast. You know, that, that's obviously meant something to Don Henley that was very deep. But to me, it was just a bunch of people like stabbing some carcass in the middle of a <laughs> banquet table. Very evocative. Uh, I, I understand now a little bit more what Don Henley was talking about, though it, I think it's less cool <laughs> the way that you understand it as an adult. So that's Colin yeah. Malloy talking yeah. about Hotel California. And in case you were wondering, uh, the other albums they had in that car were um, The Muppet Movie. <laughs> and um, of course. John Lennon and Yoko Ono's Double Fantasy. Wow! And then they couldn't remember the fourth. None of them could remember. We could uh, we could have a contest. Was. Guess the uh, remaining. Yeah, guess the, yeah. I'm going to go with Rumors, Fleetwood oh, Mac. That's a good guess. Let's ask him next time we see him. And and the thing that that points out too, which I love about this series, is that when you hear something as a kid, you take it one way. And as you grow, you see it another. And I think that's the beauty of, of this series. And you must be seeing this on All Things Considered in submissions that you're getting and the way you're reaching out. One of the points of the series is not just for people to talk about music or their favorite song or uh, something that shaped their musical sensibilities, but it might be a song, just like Colin and Miley Malloy's story, it might be a song that just connect to a time in your life and you'll never, you can never disconnect that time in your life from that music or something you learned about a parent. And so it really is a story about family and life and identity formation. And So did that happen for you? Uh, yeah, so I actually had a hard time thinking of, despite having come up with the series, I, I didn't realize <laughs> I didn't really have, have a story, but I, I did think of one and I think it, it, it's, it's part of that theme of this very much not being necessarily about music you love. This is actually music that as a seven or eight year old, I really, really hated, mm -hmm. but really it's a story about my dad. So I have to give you a little bit of background. Oh. My dad is a physicist. He's a really cerebral guy. He's also like a lot of physicists, a musician as well. I think there's something about notes and uh, physics that mm -hmm. go together. And um, we lived in Denmark when I was about six. And when we came back to Kentucky, where I grew up, my dad got really interested in some um, Danish music by the composer Carl Nielsen. And he found this lady who was also interested in this music. They decided that they were going to do some performances of this. She was going to accompany my father while he sang. Wow. And so 
why don't I give you a taste of the music Good. and just think about being a seven-year-old kid hanging out in a relatively small house with your dad at the piano with some random oh. lady singing this music. So that is Emelin Rose in, in Danish. And um, my dad is a good singer, but he's not a singer like that. Uh-huh. And, uh, and we just thought this was so weird. And would sort of go running to our rooms to hide. And, <laughs> and, um, Dad's doing that thing again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I also just thought, you know, who is this weird lady? And what is this weird thing that my dad does? And... And he was so into it. And I think that the reason I thought of this as a story that fits the series really is is not because of the music, because no, I, I don't like this music, but because of what it taught me about my dad or what it symbolizes about my dad, that he is such a pursuer of hobbies that have no... He doesn't care if anyone likes what he's doing or is interested. He sings shape notes. He does... Nice. You know, he just does things that because they make him happy and I can appreciate that now and I couldn't then and it's something that I still haven't mastered you know pursuing hobbies and being so sort of unifocused on things whether or not anybody else around me cares it's somewhat being comfortable in your skin isn't it it's it's that idea yeah, that, that yeah. yeah that you're yeah. not out to please anyone uh, first please yourself and then the the world just opens up yeah, and there's just no harm. If if you want to go sing Danish music, like, cool, go for it. That's great. It makes him happy. There was music playing around the house, and, you know, now I have this somewhere buried in my background. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love this. That's my story. And I love this story, Allison. Alice McAdam from All Things Considered. Thank you. Thank you for the series, and thanks for the stories. Thanks for having me. And you're listening to All Songs Considered from NPR Music. I'm Bob Boylan. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries, Black Twitter, A People's History, from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Directed by Prentice Penny, executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter, A People's History, tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. Support for NPR and the following message come from Proven Winners Color Choice Shrubs. Their flowering shrubs and evergreens are trialed and tested by expert horticulturists for 8 to 10 years to ensure a beautiful, high-performance display in your landscape or garden. And because the team at Proven Winners Color Choice Shrubs is passionate about gardening, they've put together resources to help you get started with garden projects big and small. For example, did you know that hydrangea flower buds form on branches the year before they bloom? With guides like Hydrangeas Demystified, you can learn from the experts and get your questions answered on hydrangea pruning, watering, reblooming, and more. 
Proven Winners Color Choice Shrubs are available in the distinctive white containers at garden centers nationwide, including over 50 varieties of hydrangeas. Learn more at provenwinnerscolorchoice.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Dive into the chilling new Hulu original series, Under the Bridge, the riveting adaptation of the acclaimed true crime book. Based on shocking true events, Under the Bridge tells the haunting story of a murder that lays bare a small community's darkest secrets. Go deep into the hidden world of the town's tormented teenagers as detectives race to solve the sinister crime. Starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone, Under the Bridge is now streaming with new episodes Wednesdays, only on Hulu. Let's get, Robin Hilton, let's get to one of those listener stories. Yeah, this one's from a guy named uh, Larry. He says, growing up, I recall that my dad had a dusty box of 78s. Like a lot of his generation who fought in World War II, he worked hard at his job and at home. Free time was limited. When he did have time to spare, it was usually spent with us kids. The 78s rarely left the box. Then, somewhere in the 1960s, dad shelled out big bucks to, <laughs> to get a Radio Shack Stereo. It was an unusual indulgence. Then he did something truly astounding. He bought new record albums. One was by a guy with the oddest name I'd ever heard, Thelonious Monk. Oh, my God. Gosh, that's fantastic. I never thought of that as an odd name, but I, I guess Seriously? Uh, yeah, Growing up in Kansas, you had lots of friends <laughs> named Thelonious and last names Monk going. Uh, Larry goes on to say that on that album was a song called Lulu's Back in Town. I could not figure mm. out what Dad heard in it, as this Monk guy was hitting bunches and bunches of <laughs> wrong, wrong notes. notes. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and in the background, you could hear Monk mumbling along. After a while... Uh, I began to hear that the wrong notes strangely fit together, and it wasn't boring, think Perry Como, like the music of other quote-unquote old folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Monk and Lulu Gay... Who were probably 32. <laughs> right, at the PS. time. And then Larry says, uh, so Monk and Lulu gave me a first glimpse of music beyond kids' songs and rock and roll. I like to think I still have eclectic tastes in music, and those dusty old 78s turned out to be Fat Swaller, Louis Armstrong, Bunny Berrigan, and the like. Who knew that my responsible Midwestern dad, Midwestern dad, deep down was kind of hip. Let's let's listen to Thelonious Monk, uh, Lulu's Back in Town. Awesome.
Let's moan around. Yeah. Let's moan along with Thelonious. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. What a great story, Larry. Thanks for sharing that and the song, too. Nice. So we got this story from Valerie, and she tells a story. I don't know if you know this artist or not, but we'll get there. I was lucky enough to have parents who loved every kind of music and possessed a vast library of vinyl, which I covet to this day, from Fuad Hassan and his Bedouin bandits to Dwayne Eddy and everything in between. But what really wrenched my attention as a child in the 1960s were the recordings of the legendary Peruvian vocalist Ima Sumac. Do you know Ima Sumac? I don't know Ima Sumac. Oh my God, you're about to experience something wonderful. Her seemingly impossible, almost inaudible high notes to her growling bass were mesmerizing to me as a four-year-old child. I'd watch the record spinning around with the album cover propped up in front of me, dreaming of the Peruvian jungle and admiring her fabulous gold jewelry. My parents introduced me to Marian Anderson as well, and her version of Deep River is still chill-inducing to me to this day. Uh, I will always be sincerely grateful to my parents for passing along their love of music to me. These notes wafting out of the speakers painted pictures of imaginary worlds in my mind and open up vistas to places that are still influencing me today. I look at my own eclectic record collection and smile, knowing that it all started with mom and dad. Wow. So she mentions a couple of artists here, but uh, Ima Sumac, there was a whole period in the 60s that was sort of this exoticism. But anyway, Ima Sumac was this woman, I'd say probably the first world music record I ever listened to. Oh, well, we got to uh, hear We, we just got to play some Ima Sumac. Let me see what I have in my library of Ima. I know I have our records at home. So, oh, here's something. I've got, I've got a record called Mambo. So let's see what it sounds like. There's nothing new under the sun. The kids actually still listen to stuff like this today. They call it lounge music, and they buy it and listen to it ironically. But that is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Ima is spelled Y-M-A, if you were trying to find her name, S-U-M. 
M-A-C is her last name. She died just a, just a few years ago. She was 86. Yep. Changed uh, the way I listen to music in many ways, even though you know it wasn't something I put on all the time, but it was someone who influenced me, certainly influenced Valerie. Thanks for that story. You know what? I, I mentioned kids today. We've got to talk to uh, the kid of today that we have with us, our, our intern, Dan Raby. Dan, Who we're chaining to a desk in his last week. He doesn't <laughs> we yet know that. We keep saying it's his last week. And <laughs> we're going to we miss find, him terribly. Find a way to keep him. But I got to know. I, Dan, I, I have to say, uh, when you started, I immediately realized that you know so much about so, so many artists that I would never in a million years have guessed that someone your age would would know and love. So I I assumed that you must have gotten some great stuff from your parents. That's growing. all thanks to my dad. He was he's always been the one that's been passing me records saying, "You need to listen to this. You need to listen to this. Here's a cassette tape. Here's an album." Wow. Um, that's great. My mom hated music. Well, <laughs> <laughs> her favorite song is LMFAO right now. So, we'll push her to the side. She's great. Love her. But I remember on a, a long car ride, I'm probably I'm 13, my dad pulls out of nowhere this one uh, CD and says, you're old enough to listen to this now. Mm, and, what and could that be? That was Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. We're only in it for the money. Oh, nice, Dad. So when, Next time I see your dad, I'm shaking his hand again. It, yeah, it was for like four hours. It was just my mind being blown by this music, trapped in this car, just not understanding what's going on at all. <laughs> It's basically the 60s shrunk into a road trip. It really is. And my memory of that record is uh, I used to be a, a dishwasher at a camp, and we used to sing all of the songs on that record as we washed dishes. So That's amazing. <laughs> well, what do, we got to hear yeah, what something. Do what do you want to play? Ooh, can we play Concentration Moon? Excellent. Start. Thousands of creeps killed in the park. American way, try and explain. The scab of a nation given insane. Don't cry, gotta go by Suddenly die, die. Cop, kill a creep! Pow, pow, pow! Got the memories. How old were you when he played that for you? 13, I think. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I heard it when I, was, when I was 14, I guess. I can't remember the record I had, but my first Frank Zappa I had on a little reel-to-reel and that I got at someone's garage sale. Wow. It had... Oh, and your dad was big into reel-to-reel stuff, recording all the time. Well, he, like, he, he was a real audio sort of geek. He was always making... Is that true of all of our fathers? Yeah, Would maybe. that be... 
maybe. Yeah, I think so. He, he was huh. very early adopter for CDs. I remember when he got CDs at maybe 81 or 2 or 3 or 4. I remember when, very early on. And uh, I brought some of my friends over f- from school to uh, listen to what a compact disc sounded like. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Frank said it had Jammin', Jammin' and Joe's Garage on it, the real, real. Oh, yeah. I, that's the only song I remember from it. That's great. Let's hear one more story from uh, listeners that we got on the All Songs Consider blog. This one's from Lynn, who writes, My father's voluminous collection of classical and jazz recordings formed the continuous soundtrack of my childhood. Wagner, Bessie Smith, and traditional New Orleans music were his obsessions and informed many of his interests and pursuits as an adult. To his despair, my musical taste bolted in the opposite direction at the first opportunity. However, we did share a passion for the one rock album in his collection, Hmm. Janis Joplin's Greatest Hits. That fits with Bessie. Yeah. The recording was on (laughs) reel-to-reel, reel-to-reel, which meant I was able to gleefully bear witness to the ritual of cursing and knob-fiddling that were part and parcel of winding the tape. So when is reel-to-reel going to be the new vinyl? New vinyl. (laughs) What a pain. Reel-to-reel was such a pain, though. Uh, The music would begin, and my dad would start nodding his head, tapping his foot, and enthusiastically yelling, Go, man! (laughs) When Janice got really geared up, he would begin to dance a sort of crazy jig while holding our howling chihuahua under one arm. (laughs) Dog number two would begin jumping and barking in unison while the peanut gallery, my brother, and the less adventuresome pets... How many pets did they have? (laughs) And the less adventuresome pets would hunker down and glare at the ensuing chaos. This was my cue to join in. I would whirl myself around in an arm-flailing frenzy that only the very young or very athletic could manage whooping and stomping my feet to the beat of a wild piano. The fun never, ever lasted long enough. The novelty, the rule-breaking, and the uncontrolled energy were obvious kid catnip, but the more fundamental attraction was the power that one voice had to transform my father's behavior, to launch an emotional tidal wave so raw and overpowering it would make an otherwise sober, organic chemist want to stand up and dance. And that's so true of the music I heard my dad listen to. It, it took him into places I didn't normally see my parents, you know? So she goes on to say, my tastes have come back around after years of stuffing myself with pop tunes, a pale imitation of the unadorned, authentic, and emotionally charged music I grew up listening to. It's possible that my father pulled a sort of bait and switch, following my mother's lead as she fooled us into eating vegetables by hiding them in foods we loved. My dad hid the roots of blues under the more palatable crust of rock and roll. Whatever the motivation, Janice Janice Joplin's music will always fill me with a visceral sense of joy and connection to my dad, and it will always make me dance. What on earth should we play from Janis Joplin? Oh, I think "Peace of My Heart." That's the one that's oh. gonna. I, that's the one that's gonna get Dad dancing. Yeah, right? that's great. Yeah. Awesome. All right, yeah. that's good. Janis Joplin. Thanks, Robin. Thank you, Bob. And Dan. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Robin. We'll miss you. Oh. NPR Music. It's all songs considered. Honey, you know I 
The music you've just heard was played by instruments which demand considerable care in recording uh, because their sounds extend from the very lowest frequency to the very highest. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com NPR. This election season, you can expect to hear a lot of news, some of it meaningful, much of it not. Give the Up First podcast 15 minutes, sometimes a little less, and we'll help you sort it out what's going on around the world and at home. Three stories, 15 minutes, Up First every day. Listen every morning wherever you get your podcasts.